went and I picked up the lesson, and I saw the title, and oh, I'm, I really love the title of today's lesson. Calm Confidence. Calm Confidence. That just sounds nice. Calm Confidence. And I, and I, that's all I read was just the, the title, and, I, and my mind just started turning, and, and uh, then I went home and I read the lesson through, and we're going to touch on some of the things that are actually in your lesson for those of you who have studied ahead. We will use some of those scriptures, but we're going to go in a broader direction this morning. If you bear with me. Um, I like to have a little more time of preparation, but things happen. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we're going to be talking about Jesus and him being our high priest and the work that he did for us on Calvary. Our redemption, eternal life that he's given us. We need to know those things. We need to be confident. We need to believe those things and be confident in those things. But this morning we're going to look to Jesus, the work that he did. And the things that he said. And he did all of those things to make us secure and confident in him. He wants us to feel secure. He wants us to be confident. And we're also going to talk about how vitally important important it is to have confidence in our God. Now, let's start with a question. How many of you can say you're always calm and confident in times of crisis, stress, emotional duress? You never worry. You never doubt. You're never afraid. Nobody's raising their hand. You notice I didn't raise my hand. Now, for some people who are just just seem like they're rocks, they may just have moments of fear and doubt but for some of us we can really struggle we can really just you know go back and forth yes god i trust you yes god i love you i trust you i know you're going to work things all for my good and then the next day god are you really there are you really there so some of us really we can struggle with that what does it mean to have confidence Anybody? What does it mean to have confidence? Belief? Assure, being assured of yourself? Okay. What does it mean to be calm? Level-headed. <laughs> to be calm. Well, I looked it up. In the Webster's Dictionary, the definition for confidence is firm Everybody say firm, firm belief or trust, assurance and boldness. If you firmly believe in something, it's not hard to be bold about it. So it's a firm belief and trust, assurance and boldness. Calm means still, free from wind, peaceable and composed. I want those things. How about you? The songwriter says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." That just sounds soothing, doesn't it? 
just that one line just sounds, ah, oh, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest, speaking about being calm, just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Now this might be where some have a breakdown. It's that knowing what thus saith the Lord. If we don't know what he said, how can we have confidence in what he said? It's, that's pretty hard to do. That's why we have Sunday school class. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we need to be reading the word of God on our own in our homes. If we don't know what he said, we're not going to feel confident. What are some other reasons we may lack confidence? Some, anybody, just what are some other reasons that we might lack confidence? I'm making y'all think this morning. Fear of not knowing, so we've got fear. I, I couldn't hear you, I'm sorry. Insecurities. Insecu- we feel inadequate. Would you say that's a big one? If we, if, if we feel like God wants us to do something and we feel inadequate, that's, that's a huge hurdle to get over. So that's the one that I put down. Our inadequacies, our faults, our sin, our shortcomings. We know when we're less than perfect, don't we? We do. And that holds us back. But God has taken care of that. Now I want you to take a moment and ask yourselves this question. Who do you have the most confidence in? Now, besides God, I'm talking about of the people that, that you are around people that you know and love who do you have the most confidence in and why let you think about that for a second That's right. She was. Anybody else? Why? Just think of the per- any person. You don't have to name the people, but why do you have the most confidence in that person or those people? That's good. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I am there. You know that commercial where the big red spot? Yes, I, I understand that. Um, yes? That's great. Just in case this is being taped and, and, and Brother David <laughs> didn't hear that, she has confidence in her usual Sunday school teacher because he makes it simple to understand. That's great. Brother David is a great teacher. I will do my best, but I'm not Brother David. (laughs) 
the, the thing that I wrote down when I really thought about this, I am most confident in the ones who really do love me the most. I am most confident in the ones who really do love me the most because I know the ones that love me are looking out for my good. They will protect me. They will pray for me. They will help me when I need help. They will bring things to my attention if I, they feel like I'm not doing something right. They will... Brother Bill, sorry. Consistent. Mm-hmm. That's right. Someone who is consistent. Well, I want to take off on that subject of the one who loves us the most. John three sixteen. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows this one. We can probably quote it. Let's all just say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I'm going to say that, focus on that first line, for God so loved the world. And pretty much when we read that scripture verse, we always read it that way, but I want us to read it a little bit differently this morning and, and focus on that word, so. For God so loved the world. What does that mean? He could have said, for God loved the world. But that word so is in there for emphasis. For God so loved the world. Can y'all say that? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Um, John 15 and 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has, there is no greater love than that, that you are willing to totally, completely give yourself. No greater love than that, that you've laid down your life. Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, and we certainly didn't deserve it, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he has demonstrated his love for us. One way in that he has demonstrated his love for us. Now I want us to go to Romans 8, and we're going to read a number of scriptures in Romans 8. And these are some powerful, powerful scriptures. I really want y'all to get this because when I got it, I just about shouted. So I would like for you to feel what I felt when I read these scriptures. We'll start with Romans 8 and 31 and 32. Now, we're trying to build some confidence here. We know that we need to be confident in God. And we're going to discuss some reasons why that's so important. What shall we say then to these things? Um, Okay, what shall... I've got the King James. What then shall we say in response? 
to these things. If God be for us, who can be against us? We have somebody on our side. Understand this. God is not a God that is up in heaven somewhere looking down to see every little mistake and, and, that we make and every fault that we have and every little thing that we're coming up short in. He already knows that we're going to come up short because he said that our righteousness is as filthy rags in compared to, comparison to his holiness. We come up short in comparison to God, but he is on our side. We need to understand he's not trying to condemn us. And Jesus even said, I came not in the world to condemn. He is for us. He is for us having eternal life. And he is also for us having abundant life in this life. The next scripture says, he that's, here's how much he loved us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for for us all how shall he not with him also in addition to freely give us all things could you have some confidence in a god that has those kinds of sentiments toward his people He wants to give us all things. He wants to freely give us everything we have need of. I want to drop down to verse 35. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I love this passage of Scripture. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or danger, peril. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Hold up. (laughs) That doesn't sound so positive, does it? Okay, this used to trip me up when I was younger and a kid, and I'd read this passage. This verse would trip me up bad and i'd have that attitude well you know we're going to suffer we're going to have trials and we're going to have tribulation yes we are we're just like defenseless sheep being led for the slaughter but god will bring us out that was kind of the way i saw the scripture but i didn't understand and remember the bible says study to show yourself approved i didn't understand that paul right here is saying something entirely different. And this scripture right here, it says, as it is written, he is quoting David in Psalms 44. And I want to show you what he is getting to here. If you go to Psalms 44. Now, where am I? 9. Let me just set this up a little bit. The situation in Israel at this point in time was that they had gone to battle. God had, and I think they may be, I don't know this for sure, but I think this may be actually before David became king. And when King Saul and Jonathan went to battle, 
They were killed. The Ark of the Covenant was taken, which we know was God's presence in Israel. And, and it was taken. And it was a terrible, terrible time in Israel because of Saul's sin. These things occurred. And David is complaining. David is sorrowful. He says, but thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies. God, you've left us. You've left us. Verse 10. Thou makest to turn back from the enemy. In other words, he's talking about turning tail and running. You make us to turn back from the enemy. And they which hate us spoil for themselves. They're taking our stuff. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat or slaughter. And hast scattered us among the heathen. This is not a good day in Israel. And Paul is making reference to this. And this is the scripture that he is quoting. Verse 22. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all day long, Lord. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. Now, once you go back to Romans, this was this was the state of, of David's thoughts and mind and the state of Israel at that point in time. But I want you to go back to Romans 8.36. And, and he's making reference to what David said. For thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. And look at the next verse and the first word. Nay. nay. Everybody say nay. What does nay mean? Everybody say no. This is not the way that it is. This isn't it. This is not the way that it is. Look up, everybody. Chin up. This isn't the way that it is. In all these things, in these, in what things? The trials, the tribulations, the distress, any persecutions, um, any danger or peril. This is not the way that it is. Not the way that it was back there in Israel that day. It's not like that. This is the way that it is. In all these things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More Now, being a conqueror, that in and of itself, well, that's great. You win. I, I've often wondered, what, what does he mean by being more than a conqueror? But we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So these things that come up in life, to distress us, to make us fear, to that hurt us. We have to have confidence that God loves us so much that he has provided the answer for every situation, every circumstance that would come against us. And he has promised to make us more than conquerors in it. Praise the Lord. Verse 38 says, for I am persuaded. I say persuaded. That's a strong word. I am persuaded. I'm convinced. I have no doubt. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, he keeps going, nor depth, nor any other creature, he's covering all the bases here, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can take the love of Christ away from us. And we are conquerors in that love. Go back to verse 39. Just bring this to your attention. Uh, 38, I'm sorry. For I am persuaded, and he starts listing things. We're going to break these down into a couple of different categories. That neither death or life, the things that normally happen in this lifetime, in our natural life, from the time you're born to the time you die, there is nothing in this natural realm that can separate you from God's love. Then he goes on to say, nor even angels or principalities or powers. There is nothing in the spiritual realm that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing in this natural realm. Nothing in the spiritual realm. There's nothing that's going, things present, there's nothing that's going on right now in your life that is too much for God to give you victory in. There's nothing going on right now that can separate you from God and His love and His victory. There is nothing to come, nor things to come. There's nothing that's going to happen tomorrow. He's really trying here to really drive this home in our minds that you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. I am there for you. Praise the Lord. That's right. I was not afraid. That's right. Uh, life, that life is the one that I have the greatest concern about because I am going to have a great part to play in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, Christ, he wants to take that, that, that fear or that dread away from our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure it is, than the death. You weren't and and the reason you weren't afraid of death is because you were persuaded. You knew his love for you. You knew where you were going if you died. It's not a problem. But he's right. Life it's the life part <laughs> that trips us up. It's the life part that's difficult. If we're sure in our secure in our salvation we're not necessarily afraid of death but there are some things that can hit us in this life that can rock our worlds absolutely rock our worlds and God is going to great lengths right here to show us that there is no realm of our existence that he's not there with his love to support us and give us the victory 
Praise the Lord. Alrighty. Now, I've heard this argument, and I, I can, I felt this argument from time to time. Um, what I'm about to say next, for those of you who are really intellectual or analytical, and I've heard this argument from people who are like that, that I believe in God's power. I believe God loves me. I believe in God. God's not the problem. It's me. I just don't feel like I can do what he wants me to do. I just don't feel like I can live up to his expectations or expectations of other Christians. Or I just... I can't be perfect. And I've heard people make those excuses and probably I've made them myself. And probably if we're all honest, we have kind of kind of been hesitant to do and live fully for God and everything that he would have us do because of those feelings of inadequacy. Or feelings of failure. Or whatever. God took care of that. He took care of that too. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, For God said, It says, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. So basically, we're without excuse. There's nothing that can come against us in this life, in the natural realm, spiritual realm, past, present, future, that we can't overcome through Christ. And all of our own insecurities and, and inadequacies and faults and failures and even sin, God has taken care of that too. There's, there's no reason why we can't move forward with confidence in God. Because He's taken care of everything. My grace is sufficient. Um... In our lesson text this morning, and go to Hebrews. Oh, Ruthie, I'm sorry, I probably didn't give this to you. Hebrews 4. I think I left that out. 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, He's being referred to here as a great high priest. We know in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there were many priests, but there was a high priest. And this high priest, once a year, he went into the Holy of Holies, sprinkled blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, making intercession for the sins of all the people of Israel. Were those sins 
forgiven or remitted? No, because the blood of bullocks and, and goats, they couldn't do that. They were just rolled ahead. Year after year after year, the high priest went in there and one high priest would die and then, and then another high priest would come on. But year after year after year, and this continued for hundreds of years, that the sins of Israel were just rolled ahead. Year after, kind of like deferred taxes. They just rolled ahead. Year after year. Rolled ahead to what? Rolled ahead to that moment in time when Jesus hanging on the cross took all the sins, the Bible says, all the sins of the whole world, all those sins that have been rolled ahead, all the sins for the present, for the future, for us, all of those sins were laid on him at the cross and washed away. And you have to make the choice of whether you're going to believe that and be confident in that or not. Well, anyway. And then it says that not only did he remit our sins, forgive us of our sins, if we come to him and ask for forgiveness, they're forgiven. They're, they're gone. Not only that, now he's passed into the heavens and it says, let us hold fast our profession of faith. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's become our high priest now. But we in all points, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he didn't sin. The Bible says he is in the presence of God. This is positionally, the position that Jesus Christ holds for us today ever in the presence of God our eternal high priest forever making intercession for us God is for us God is for us he's covered all the bases of anything that could come against us therefore Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Everybody say boldly. Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's done it all. He's done it all. He's, he's handled everything. We have Everything we need for this life. He's handled our sin problem. He's done it all. Now, I want to concentrate on this last verse here. Specifically that word help in time of need. There's only one other place in the New Testament where that word is used. A form of that word is used. It's a specific word. And I'm not even going to pretend that I can pronounce the Greek correctly, but it's Boethian, I believe, is the way it's pronounced, or something close to that. And the context of where, the other place in the Bible that it's used in Acts is when there's a storm at sea, and Paul is in a ship, and the winds 
get really, really tempestuous. I mean, they're just, they're strong. And they're trying to hold the ship together. And what they do, in fact, let's go to, um, let's go to Acts 27 and 17. I'll just read it. So they're in this storm. They're trying to, to hold the ship together. And, it, and it's talking about the ship, when, which when they had taken up, they used helps. That word helps. Undergirding the ship. What that word helps is referring to, it's referring to a, a procedure called frapping. And in this procedure, cables were passed underneath the ship and tied around the hull, the hull of the ship in, a te- in an attempt to hold the ship together. That was this process of using these helps. These cables literally wrapped around the hull of the ship to just to keep it together. Now, go back to verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That word help has that connotation of surrounding us and holding us together. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) When everything around you is going wrong, when you are just in the midst of the worst storm of your life, He tells us to come boldly into the throne of grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. That means we don't deserve it. Remember, we're always going to fall short of the glory of God. We're only righteous in, in, in Christ and what the work that Christ did for us. goodness come boldly for what you don't even deserve and he'll hold you together I just I can't even think of a more beautiful thought than that anybody feeling more confident in the love of God for me I I hope so there's a song and we sing it every once in a while we don't sing it very often We we should sing this more often It's called, He Giveth More Grace. The course goes, His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. The first verse of that that um, song goes, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. We're going to face some things in life. We're going to have some struggles. We're going to have some, some strong winds come our way. It's going to happen. But He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater 
He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he just adds more mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. Praise God for a God like that. I am so grateful. And finally, why is this so important? Why is it so important that our confidence is is fast, that it's sure, that we're persuaded? Why is it so important? I'm going to give you two reasons that maybe you weren't thinking of. Because we have a mission. When our men and women in our military, they're all on a mission right now. If they didn't have confidence in the mission and in their commander-in-chief, you think it'd make the mission a lot harder? We have a mission. And if we don't have confidence in our commander-in-chief, we're not going to accomplish much. It's very, very important that we are fully persuaded in what God has done for us and what God has commissioned us to do so that we can be effective. The, the other reason is why it's so important is because we have an enemy. I'm sorry to bring you down with that, but <laughs> we have an enemy. We do. On on September 11th, the United States realized they had an enemy. You know, suddenly realized, whoa, we've got an enemy here. And the president said, we are now at war. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, we have an enemy. And whether you want to be in that war or not, there is a war. There is a war for your soul. There is a war for the souls of, of future generations. We're in a war. And if he can't get your soul, if he can't steal you, keep you from going to heaven, he's still going to try to mess up this life as much as he possibly can. You have an enemy. It's vitally important that our confidence in God is, is sure. Paul said that, Paul talked about the weapons of our warfare. That leads me to believe that there's a war. We wouldn't need weapons of warfare. But God has given us all power and authority through Jesus Christ over the enemy. He said so. So he's handled that. And in fact, the disciples went out one time and and they were out ministering and they came back and they were just, Lord, we were even able to cast out demons in your name. And Jesus is like, I, yeah, I don't you don't you think God sits up there and he's that's got to be a word in his vocabulary. And Jesus was like, I gave you power and authority to tread on scorpions and serpents. He has not left us 
alone to do this by ourselves. He has given us everything we need. Praise the Lord. First Peter 5 and 8 says the devil is, is like a roaring lion. And he's seeking whom he may devour. Don't be naive of this fact. Let me tell you, he's, he's cunning, he's sneaky, and sometimes he's like that roaring lion, and, and he can make a lot of scary noise with that roar, and, and he wants to scare you. And in fact, his goal is to paralyze us with fear and then destroy us. We have an enemy. We need to keep our confidence in God. But perfect love... That love of Christ that we can't be separated from. Perfect love cast out all fear. His love for us is perfect. When we finally believe it, not just as, okay, you read it in the word and you've got the mental knowledge of it. But when you finally get it somewhere past your mentality into your spirit when it gets into your spirit how perfect his love is for you fear will melt away perfect love cast out all fear is so sweet to trust in Jesus. That last line says, I'm so glad I learned to trust thee. Precious Jesus, Savior friend. And I know, everybody say, I know, I know that thou art with me. Will be with me till the end. I know it. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even into the end of the world. We need to learn what he did for us in in securing eternal life for us and take advantage of that. There's, There's no reason to be lost. There's no reason. He has gone to such lengths to secure us. There's no reason. Learn what he's done for us. Learn the promises he's made to us, not just for our eternal life, but for our lives here. Learn the benefits that he's given us. Speaking of benefits, let me go back a little bit. And we're going to close. Psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Everybody say, forget not. Don't forget this. That's the message. Don't forget this. Don't forget all of his benefits, which are, verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who forgiveth all. Everybody, what does all mean? The Bible says if you, if you mess up and you go to the Father and you confess it, He is faithful and just to forgive us. 
He's taking care of everything. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, we can get so tired sometimes with the things that come against us. But God has only good that he wants to give us. Remember he said he he loves us and wants to give us all things freely. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Believe it and go forth with confidence so that we can complete his mission. He has some things he wants us to do. There's a lost world out there. There are people suffering. There are people just bound in the stranglehold of, of sin, of addiction, of all, just all sorts of vices out there. And we have a mission. But we're not going to be effective in our mission. If we are not confident in our commander. God bless you. We're going to take a few minutes break and come back for some worship.